0: I Read Comics, show number 59. just listened to myself saying that first part, which show it is, and I still sound like I have a cold. What the fuck? Well, I feel better, but I guess I just sound snuffly. Anyway, I wanted to <clears throat> do this little introductory part kind of quickly because I want to get this podcast posted. The majority of this podcast is going to be me and Logan talking about Perry Moore's novel Hero, and we had a really good discussion about that. So, um, If you haven't read that book, I would suggest you go out and get it from the library, or or buy it if you wanted to spend the money, because it is a really good book. Um, We're going to have lots of spoilers in that review, so if you haven't read it and you don't want to know what happened, don't listen to our review of it. I have a few more things that I wanted to say right up front. First is that I was really pleasantly surprised by how many people wrote to ask me for the Ditko show. So uh, it's still on offer, as they say in the UK. If you'd like to download it, I am providing it free of charge in a nice AVI QuickTime format. Send me email to my Hotmail address, which is elanataylor at com, and put Ditko in the subject line, and you can include a note or not, and I will send you the link from which you can download the show. And as I have said to the people that I've actually sent the link to, don't share it around because I don't want my ISP dream host to get totally pissed off at me that I'm providing this 500 megabyte file to anybody who asks for it. But it is a really wonderful show, and I highly recommend it. And I was also pleased that the people who did download it wrote back and said, hey, this was a really good show. So that was great. So yes, if you want the Ditko show, I still have it. I'll probably keep it up there for another... I don't know, a couple of weeks, and then I'll take it down just to prevent, um, bandwidth abuse from DreamHost. Now, um, two of the people who asked me for the Ditco link, as soon as I can get my computer going, after I finish doing this podcast, I'm actually going to be installing, um, Leopard on this computer, which is a little scary to me because, uh, you know, it's a new operating system and everything. And um, I'm hoping it doesn't break my computer, my little power book that I record all my podcasts on. So that that's kind of a scary thing. We'll we'll have to see how that goes. So keep your fingers crossed that the power book doesn't blow up. Um, so the first email that I got was from um, Christine Fisher who does the um adult child free podcast, which I think I'd mentioned once before, and she actually interviewed me at WonderCon earlier this year, like way earlier this year in February. And because she had various health problems and server problems and all that kind of stuff, she didn't get around to posting it to her her show, her podcast until like August and here it is October and I'm finally getting around to telling you that so um I'm actually a little scared about that because I don't remember anything that I said. (laughs) I think it was probably coherent, but more likely it wasn't coherent because it was at WonderCon and we happened to be sitting in a stairwell, um, so there was a lot of ambient noise and she was asking really good questions and I don't think I was giving very good answers. I was trying to recommend a lot of stuff that I had been reading at that time. I think I, I was pimping Young Avengers pretty heavily. But um, you can go listen to it, and then maybe you can tell me if I made any sense whatsoever. But um, she has a good podcast, and I suggest that you you hop on over there. I will put up the direct link and then the link to her show with the show notes as well. So um, there was that, and let me try to find my other link here – The other email I got was from the wonderful um, Rosa Colon, who does the um, comic Zoe's Blues, which I have reviewed a couple issues of on the show. And I have another issue that I haven't gotten around to talking about yet, which is also good. The last issue of that is coming out pretty soon. It's number four, where the story wraps up. I'm very curious to see how that ends up. And she's been doing some web comics, too, in the meantime. But she sent me an email asking for the Ditko link and then wrote back and said um, that she and her partner, Carla Rodriguez, um, participated in the 24-hour comic book day for the first time here in Puerto Rico. If you want to see the comic I made, you can read it here. And it's at Comic Space. So she has a Comic Space account, and it's called Soda Pop Comics, all one word. And then she says... Also, Carla and I decided that we should try to get more girls into making comics over here. So we created an anthology zine called Soda Pop Comics. It's going to be short stories written and drawn by girls. The first one comes out in November. There'll be five girls per issue, and we hope to rotate them. So you get a lot of variety between newcomers and girls who published since the first issue. And they have it on MySpace. So on MySpace, it's called Soda Pop Comics. So I think that's totally awesome, and I really hope I can get her to send me a copy because I really want to see what that looks like. So um, I will put up the links for those if you want to go check it out, but you should totally do that. Uh, Let's see. Did I mention that? Yes, I mentioned that. Yes, I mentioned that. And um, I think I might have mentioned this once before, but I'll say it again because it's not crossed off on my big list of things to do, and that's the only way I can actually tell if I've accomplished anything is if I've actually crossed it off. If I did it and I didn't cross it off, then it means that I do that thing twice or maybe it never gets done because I can never quite figure out if it's done or not. So um, I was in touch with a couple of women who are doing something called the Fangirl Project, and you could go check it out at fangirlproject.com. And they are going around the country taking pictures of fangirls for an anthology that they hope to publish to show the variety of different fangirls. And they took my picture, and I was totally thrilled about that. Um, they haven't put it up at the website yet, and I'm, I'm waiting for the day when that happens. But um, uh, if they if you want to get your picture taken you're a fangirl, you can contact them. Go to their webpage and drop them a note because they've been traveling a lot, which I'm assuming is why um, these pictures, the more recent pictures, haven't gotten posted yet. But I think it's a very cool project and I'm very eager to see the results when it comes out. So still checking. Um, I wasn't really posing with my comics. I was posing with my Star Trek stuff, including um, the big cardboard Kirk, which was a present that I gave to my uh, podcast partner over on the Trek podcast, which is called Look at His Butt, um, that was a Christmas present to her last year, and she very kindly agreed to loan me Big Cardboard Kirk so I could pose with him, which I did, and uh, he he looked great in the picture. I don't know how the hell I looked, but Big Cardboard Kirk looked pretty freaking cool, as he always does, and I even got to have him in my house for a while before he had to go back to uh, JK's house. So uh, let me do my other little commercials, which are to say, go shop at Comic Relief in Berkeley, the only comic book store that matters because they have everything that's really, really cool. And the music that you hear at the top of the show is by the wonderful Ginger Mayerson. You can go to her site and download all the cool stuff that she has too. Um, The music that I'm going to put at the end of the show is um, second in a series from an album that I really love called My Life in the Bush of Ghosts by Brian Eno and David Byrne, which came out. Uh, about a thousand years ago and it's still one of my favorite things of taking found radio broadcasts and mixing them to some other strange music and uh, I listened to that record a lot when I worked at the record store and I forced other people to listen to it almost at gunpoint and now I'm going to inflict it on you because I think it's really good. So that having been said let me turn it over to me and Logan the other day when we were talking about Perry Moore's Hero. So do you remember anything about this book? Uh, a little bit. Okay, good. So the book that we're going to talk about is Perry Moore's Hero, mm-hmm. which we both read a couple weeks ago. Yes. Right? Uh, you read it longer ago than I did because you gave it to yeah, me. Yeah,
1: and I think I reviewed thing. it.
0: Yeah.
1: I seem to remember yeah. making some... <laughs> yeah, I think I reviewed it on uh, LoganoTron because I think I commented about how uh, Perry Moore was way cuter in <laughs> oh,
0: the right. pictures <laughs> on his site
1: than the one in the New York Times that posted. That horrible
0: picture, yes. It was very bad. Um, so, for those of you who don't know about this book, and I find it hard to believe that people don't know anything about this book, because it's gotten a ton of press, um, Perry Moore is a screenwriter, he's an openly gay screenwriter, and he wrote a book about a gay superhero, and it's published by a major publisher, it's HarperCollins, I think. Maybe. Um, and it's, it's gotten a lot of really good press in the mainstream, as well as on comic blogs, things like that, and Mm -hmm. it's been selling pretty well, as far as I can tell.
1: Yeah, it was sold out for several weeks at, uh, the BookThink, where I shop, I had to put my name in and get a a copy ordered for me.
0: So that's great. That's really good. So, um, there were, I had a couple of things specifically I wanted to talk about. So I, we should probably recap the plot for people. Do you want to do that?
1: Uh, sure. There's this, uh, teenage boy who's in high school and he, (coughs) he's developing, he's developed powers and he, he knows that his, does he, I forget that if he knew his dad was a superhero, but he definitely realizes that, um. His mom left him when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and his dad is, for some, he, I guess he does know that his dad was in some sort of scandal mm-hmm. that resulted in a bunch of civil, civilian deaths, and so his dad is anti-superhero mm-hmm. now. And so this kid, Tom Cree, the uh, teenager, lives his whole life hiding from the fact that his dad was this this major character who had a horrible scandal. Um, somewhere along the line, when the book starts, he, he the, the kid starts to realize he has his own powers, but he also is starting to realize he has this attraction to boys.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I think his dad kind of gets that too. And we learn throughout the story that his dad is very homophobic and says mm-hmm. the only thing worse that he could be besides being a super having superpowers is being gay. And mm-hmm. uh, now he's both. <laughs> so he comes out. He gets involved in a Tom Creed, that is, the, the kid gets involved in a heroic rescue of a bus of kids mm-hmm. or something. Which is very
0: and well written, by the way. That I scene that was, great. was fantastic, yeah. and it's
1: very early on in the mm-hmm. book. Um, and in so doing, gets introduced to the Uberman and the Justice League, or whatever they're <laughs> called. I mean, it's essentially the uh, Justice League parody. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> Uberman and Warrior Woman and but they're all very difficult to
0: uh, yeah and Speedster Speedster, speedster right yeah.
1: the most generic names which I assume was to avoid any copyright infringement on uh, Marvel or DC mm-hmm. um, and so then he gets uh, added as a junior member in trial mm-hmm. yeah. form and he meets this he gets placed with this band of misfits really um, whose powers are very awkward it's almost like in the movie um, Sky High when the kid gets placed with the the sidekicks Mm -hmm. and their powers are all really lame. It's almost...
0: (laughs) It is. Well, you figure that it had to be like that, right? Because it has to be an underdog story. And they're they're the outcasts of the outcasts because superheroes are still sort of not okay in the world that he's created because of the scandal thing that we find out what it is later on.
1: So what ends up happening is a major member of the League gets killed. Mm -hmm. And they all the whole league, including all the junior interns have to start tracking down who might've been the killer. And they think they figure it out and they peg someone. And Tom Creed realizes it can't be the guy they think (laughs) it is because he was actually hooking up with the guy (laughs) the night that this all happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're in the press conference and he comes out saying, Nope, it's not him because I was hooking up with him that night. So he's coming out as gay. He's also exposing himself on TV, in public, so now his dad will know that Mm -hmm. he's a superhero, and it's, his dad, so he's coming down to his dad, both as a superhero and as gay, it's it's kind of a big deal, Mm -hmm. um, so the story progresses, and it turns out that, spoiler alert, stop listening right now, (laughs) if you don't want to know how the story ends, but it turns out that, uh, the bad guy who's killing all of the League, because another one dies, Mm -hmm. another League member dies, Mm -hmm. so it turns out it's, um, it's Uberman, is that right? or the other one. It's there the were other two guy. Superman the characters. Is not it Superman. Justice? Yes. Yes, it was Justice. <laughs> um, there were two Superman characters. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to keep them to separate, which was tough too.
0: Yes. But very much so. I mean, we were actually talking just before we started recording that neither of us could really remember the names of the characters because yeah. they are so incredibly generic and right. You know, I, I guess we're so used to the names of the characters that are already established in Marvel and DC. And when they add new characters, they do tend to give them really colorful names mm-hmm. so that you remember them. So calling somebody Uberman or Warrior Woman or, yeah. you know, there's Justice and, and Tom's father is named Major Might. They're they're just so bland. There's nothing to, to kind of hang it on. And since they're written, you can't look at their costumes and say, right. oh, that's the red guy or that's the blue guy or right. that's the guy with the cape.
1: Yep. So, um, in the end, there's a big battle scene and Tom's kind of new boyfriend, you know, <laughs> he turns out to be this guy who's been helping him all along. He
0: turns out to be Batman. Batman, <laughs> that's true. Um. And we all knew Batman was, was gay. We always knew that. Of course. And so he is. <laughs> and,
1: uh, and then Tom's mom comes back. She's permanently invisible, but she comes back and she helps out. Tom's mm-hmm. dad helps out. Everyone is fighting. And it's only like this group of five or six that haven't been taken over by mm-hmm. justice's mind control yeah. or something. Um, of course they save the day. And in the end, um, Tom is left without a dad and mom. Mm-hmm. They both died he's helping defend the world. Um, but he's got this boyfriend and so I'll save the comment—the <laughs> comment on that for later. The ending, but um, that's basically the storyline: is that he has to come out as gay as, and mm-hmm. a superhero, uh, and has to um, go through losing both of his parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, being the underdog, and his his powers aren't particularly. Uh,
0: now I want—I want to talk about his okay. powers because it's very interesting. Um, so uh, just I want to say, as far as the structure of the book goes. Um, to me, it felt like you know the first half of the book is a lot of setup, which yeah. I think you need because yeah. there's a lot of characters that get introduced. The whole dynamic of him um, trying out for this the Justice League, we'll mm-hmm. call it, um, it has to, he has to go through a different phases, and we have to meet the other people to kind of understand who's in and who's out, and who are the other kids who are there. And then, kind of halfway through, the, the plot starts up when yeah. the the one uh, Aquaman gets killed. Right. <laughs> His name right. is an Aquaman. He's called King of the Sea or something. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when things started happening. And, and it goes very fast after that, because a lot of stuff happens, mm-hmm. you know? So people are getting killed, and he has to come out, and his mom comes back, and uh, other people get killed that you don't expect to get killed. And uh, the world almost blows up, and it's just like a lot of stuff happens all at the same time. Yeah. Which is good. I think that's the way it should be. Well, kind think of think the right nice part the was
1: that because of the careful setup in the yeah. beginning, it allowed for the very quick movement for the last half of the book. Yeah. Because... You were very... Uh, I read it all in the one day while I was in Utah, or one and a half days. And um, The first day, I read the first half, mm-hmm. which was the setup. Mm-hmm. And then the second day, I read the last part of the book. And... It made it very easy to get through that. Yeah. It was hard to put down, and I didn't have to flip back yep. to the beginning and say, wait, what was that for?
0: Yeah, he does a really good job of setting everything up. And I have to say, I think part of that is with an eye towards sequels to this book, which yes. he's already said he's going to write. So,
1: Well, and movie rights. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: clearly he wanted to, to lay some groundwork for more stories to be built on top of this, so this is not just a one-shot novel, which I think is great, because mm-hmm. they're good characters. I'd like to see more stories about them. I agree. Them. Um, but but it does suffer from some confusion amongst the actual superpowered people because there there are several guys who are all superpowered and there's mm-hmm. Uberman and Justice and the one guy the old guy who dies who's supposed to be like Captain Marvel I guess mm. um, but isn't it's, <laughs> it's, it's like you know it's, so it's it's hard to tell those guys apart I, he tries to put in some descriptions some details about them physically so you mm-hmm. can tell them apart but I still found it really hard
1: I did like um, the the Descriptions or the, the parts of the story where Tom was talking or th- it was describing Tom's um, fantasizing oh, about hilarious. Uh, Uberman, right? Yeah,
0: I think so. Going H- down to the beach. Hilarious. <laughs> the little dog falling asleep how on your bed. Oh, he would bed. carry him home. <laughs>
1: oh, his, his crush on him and just the way that, you know, that's how, especially teenage girls, but, you know, I think that when gay men reach that, period of coming out also do the same sure. thing uh you have this crush phase of uh of your idols your heroes definitely
0: and of course that's what you fantasize about but i also love the fact that he's a real person mm-hmm. that what he does when his dad isn't home is that he downloads porn on the computer <laughs> like everybody does when their parents are not home right I mean, that, that was a very realistic touch yeah so it was good and and he um as a character he has flaws and he's too hot-tempered and, and mm-hmm. like all teenagers he's way too self-involved and can't really see what's going on around yeah. him and that's part of the arc of the book is that he actually starts to look outside of himself and see what other people are going through. So I thought that was really nice. Right.
1: Um, I thought that uh, it was so one of the issues I had was that when, when the story ends and we have a little epilogue mm-hmm. um, he's sacrificed well he's, he's now free of his codependence with his parents mm-hmm. or his dad, um, but now has this boyfriend that mm-hmm. he seems very, at least in the few pages we see, he, he's just transferred it to the boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I guess I kind of thought that part of his coming out was all about learning to be confident in who he was, mm-hmm. but now who he is, is so defined in his relationship to this other yeah, guy he's Batman's boyfriend yeah exactly <laughs> and maybe maybe it's he's supposed to be kind of a sidekick given that his powers mm-hmm. aren't particularly yeah. uh, traditional and exciting yeah. but
0: I don't know well maybe that's for the next book yeah. or something that we'll see more of it so his dad major might mm-hmm. is not a super powered guy nope He's, he's more of a Batman kind of guy yeah. with, with superior skills, developed over years of training. He was in, uh, what, the Korean War, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was a hero then. Right. And, you know, very much. His mom was... Uh, Invis- Sue Storm. Right. <laughs> was, right. <laughs> was the invisible woman, essentially. Yeah. Um, and like in... Um, The Incredibles, they they met while on the job, Mm -hmm. essentially, and fell in love and got married. And then eventually she ended up, um, we think, retiring to have a kid. But we find out later, here's more spoilers, that she was never really retired and she was kind of a a mole agent. Mm -hmm. And even though she couldn't become visible anymore, she was still working for the League undercover. Right. And that kind of comes back around at the end when the world's about to blow up. And she reveals all this stuff that she knows. So Tom's powers are that he can heal people. Right. And it starts off really small uh, by accident, and as it goes through the novel, it it um, it gets more and more, it gets more and more powerful, and his powers kind of grow by leaps and bounds. I was a little surprised at the end by what he can do with his powers.
1: Remind me. <laughs>
0: okay, so you read it more recently. More spoilers. Um, it, it goes through phases. It's not a complete like disconnect, mm-hmm. but he ends up being able to heal. Um, Broken bones—it's right. what he starts because it's at the the basketball game yep. and someone gets hurt. So he heals broken bones and and skin, you know, cuts and things like that. And then he manages somehow in one of the scenes with um, where they're being attacked. He's holding hands. With, oh, all these, the kids. with the kids in a hospital who are burn victims right. and ends up mostly fixing them. Yeah. And then they said somewhere later on, they said, oh, all the kids were like 95% cured of their burns. Plus, by holding hands with them, he manages to deflect some power that was being um, aimed at them. Mm-hmm. It was like right. beams from somebody's eyes or something like that. I can't really remember what it was. And then this happens again and again, where he, every time he does it, his powers get stronger and stronger. He can't bring people back from the dead. We find that out. Yeah. So someone dies and he can't save them. And at the very end of the book, um, he has to help his dad against the bad guy. And um, it's been established that his dad had a crippled hand from the Mm -hmm. the bad thing that had happened. And his other hand gets cut off. Yeah. And he grows into new hands. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty impressive, I'd say. It it was (laughs) interesting.
1: Um, I thought that the only way that his power becomes even useful on a team is that Typhoid Larry was there.
0: <laughs> I love Typhoid Larry. Uh, he's he hilarious. hilarious.
1: And, you know, his power is to really make people sick with any illness he can think of. Right, right. And it's interesting <laughs> because the way it gets used is that, I mean, he can't just make his teammates not get sick. Mm-hmm. Anyone he's in proximity to will get sick with mm-hmm. whatever he can think of. And so that the the usefulness of Tom, then, is that he can then heal the teammates.
0: Right. So it's good. It's it, very clever. It was clever. There was a... Um, Somewhere in the history of the Legion of Superheroes, there was a woman named Infectious Lass who had a very similar, <laughs> I don't like, ridiculous, a similar sort of thing. But Larry as a character is really good. And I like the interplay between him and Tom, mm-hmm. that he's really grateful because Tom is the first person to kind of, like, okay. touch him. who can touch him, but also who shows some appreciation for the fact that he's yeah. got these weirdo powers. Yeah. So that was good.
1: Um, I thought Ruth was a great oh, character. She was awesome.
0: She was fun. She was great. So she's an older woman, like in her 60s, I think, yeah. and her power is precognition. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't get a lot of backstory about her, like why suddenly at the age that she is, she decides to try out for the league. Right. We don't know. She never really explains it. Mm-hmm. But we do get a little bit of her history um, and why she is the way she is. She's very cynical and mm-hmm. chain smokes and things like that. But she's a great character. I loved, loved her. her. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought that. So, just a, an interesting par, uh, tie back or question mark slash parallel is, I thought this was very similar, if not drawn directly from, the Invincible comics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did I loan you the Invincible? No, again? no. But okay. you told me about them. Um, so, the Invincible comic is about this Superman-like character who has a son, who, uh, they're when the sun comes of age and gets his powers, they go around saving the world together. And, and there's also a league. And the Superman-like character, is from a different planet, kind of an only son, or so we are told, <laughs> um, or a last scion sort of thing. And he he works with the league sometimes, but he's not on the league. And all of a sudden, the league shows up dead. They're, they're all dead. And there is another Superman-like character mm. on the league, much like the Superman-like character that's the dad of Invincible. Um, Invincible comes to find out that his dad is actually preparing the Earth for an invasion, um, of this other, of his species, from his other planet, and, um, has been on Earth the whole time, and now is the time, so he killed, he removed the only defense the planet would have, which is this League. Mm -hmm. Um, Invincible, though, has his own little band of, um... Superheroes, and he ends up fighting his dad to the point where his dad's ready to kill him because his dad's more powerful. And his dad pulls back and doesn't kill him, and just takes off. But the whole concept of there's a Superman-like character who wipes out the league, mm-hmm. and you know has to fight a younger sidekick-type person. It's very similar to the <laughs> uh, hero by Perry Moore. Um, different enough, but also in invincible. On the league, they have these DC-type. Uh, stereotyped characters that have names very similar <laughs> to the ones in Perry Moore's books. so I almost wonder if it was an inspiration for him
0: probably I, I would bet that it was you can see where he drew a lot of his inspiration from, I, I think, much more DC than Marvel, just yeah. in the way the characters are drawn. Yeah. I mean, even the fact that there's Warrior Woman, right. and Uberman. <laughs> you know, there was, <laughs> you probably don't remember this, but way back in the history of Saturday Night Live, they actually did a sketch about Uberman. Mm-hmm. It was very, very funny, like as if he was German, like <laughs> Uberman <laughs> was really good. Um, so I want to just talk about his power for a minute, yeah. because I've had this train of thought before. I don't think we've talked about it, but... Um, you don't see too many superheroes with this power to heal. I mean, I've seen characters like that in other books, yeah. um, science fiction books or fantasy books, where that's their main thing. It seems to me that if you have a superpower, which is to heal people, you have a moral obligation to use that power often, mm-hmm. early and often, and not just when you're being a superhero. Right. I mean, if you literally have the power to save people from dying, you need to, to be in a system uh-huh. where people can come to you and get cured of it. And it, it's, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's like the Spider-Man thing. With great power comes great responsibility, and you would have to use it really wisely and really ethically. Like, you couldn't sell your power to the highest bidder. Right. You know, you couldn't just cure rich people who wanted to get cured. And it seemed like you would be spending all your time visiting, you know, children's burn wards in hospitals.
1: It seems like the way that um, Moore deals with that a little bit is that it really takes a lot out of yeah. Tom to, to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, he faints and he does all these other things each time. Oh, yes, he really has epileptic is, fits, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. So I think that's, you know, one way of suggesting that he, he could do all those things, but he would literally be taxing himself to potentially, yeah. like, sickening him his own yeah. self. Um, the other way I've seen it dealt with in other, in comics, is that when some when when these types of characters heal um, others, they absorb the other person's right, yeah. weakness or illness. Yep. At least if for a small period sure, of time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah,
0: I've seen that a lot. They did that. They did that in Star Trek. They mm-hmm. did. It. They made actually a really good movie um, with Ellen Burstyn. That was called Resurrection, hmm. which was awesome. And it was about faith healing, and hmm. she had that power. And in order to heal people, she had to do that. She would take their illness into herself. It was yeah. a wonderful movie. But he doesn't do that. No, really, it's not no, really implied. Doesn't. So I I think. If you're going to do that, it really sets up. Um, you have to think out the consequences of it, and maybe we see that in in subsequent stories. You know, if suddenly the world found out that there was someone who could actually heal, yeah, people would go nuts. Yeah, and that person would have to be put in maximum security to keep people from kidnapping them. I mean, right. really, you would think that somebody with a lot of money and a lot of power would instantly want to kidnap that person and have them as their personal slave mm-hmm. to cure them and their immediate family from any sickness that they might get. Yeah. So, maybe that's the next book, I don't know, but it, I, I hope that he deals with that issue because to just give someone a power like that and then say, you know, oh, well, you know, they use it whenever there's a, a fight and they don't right. do anything with it the rest of the time is just a cheat. You yeah. can't do that.
1: It's, good. it's a good point. I, I think that it's one of those powers that has a moral yes. implication built into its essence. Yes, absolutely. And I think other powers, say super speed, mm-hmm. don't necessarily. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. So I'm really curious to see if he plays on that. It would be wonderful if he did, because I don't think that that kind of stuff has really been dealt with in, in mainstream comics very much. You know, some, yeah. but, but not very much. I, I was ranting about this in the last show, that for me, I, I really miss seeing superheroes doing things to better the world. Mm -hmm. You know, DC and Marvel are all about fighting supervillains now, and rarely do they actually stop crime, for example. Mm -hmm. So don't you think, you know, Superman really should have a moral imperative to spend, you know, one day out of seven um, using his super speed and abilities to, you know, provide clean water sources for people in Africa?
1: Well, I thought it was (laughs) nice that in, actually, in Superman Returns, they did hint at that a little bit. You know, Superman, right after he came back yeah, and he was yeah, sitting yeah. above the earth and when he would hear things, he would zoom down and then the news reports yes. were, was seen here doing this. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was nice to see that, oh yeah, he is not just someone who fights Dark Side all the time. But yeah, actually, exactly. You know, yeah,
0: there should be more of that. So I, I feel like that's really missing from superheroes mm-hmm. and there should be more of it. And I think that's why...
1: Well, it's what makes Batman so attractive.
0: Yeah, because that's still mostly what he does. Yeah. But the, the scene on the bus, um, I thought got to, to that, to a certain extent, yeah. that he and the other superheroes were trying to save the people on the bus. Right. They weren't trying to stop a bank robbery. Yeah. They weren't fighting a supervillain. Well,
1: there were supervillains. There,
0: there were, but they, it wasn't, they weren't fighting the supervillains with the bus as sort of a, a,
1: a... The bus was the prop. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It, it was, it's, let's save the bus that's being sliced in half.
0: Right. And yeah. not just, we won't worry too much about this bus. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's a prop. Right. right. You're right. And right. I mean, exactly. that was right. what
1: Tom was doing the whole time, was yeah. helping... The,
0: uh... Oh, there was a woman who had a heart attack or something. Yeah, and, and, and then
1: he was helping the Batman character.
0: And the driver who yep. got hurt. And yep. Yeah, so that was great. It was very gripping because right. you really got involved with these people and you could see what was going on. Um, I I hope that they have other characters like Ruth. Um, and again, there hasn't been very much of this in comics aside from, um, well, Saturn Girl really didn't have precognition, Dream Girl did. But the the precognition thing is very interesting mm-hmm. too because... Uh, she's very mysterious when she says things. And yeah. there's a moral responsibility with that, too. I mean, you can't it's just true. tell people exactly how the future is going to turn out. Right. Um, and it's never really clear what her precognition is. Like, does she really see the future or does she see a future? hmm And that's cool that it's mysterious.
1: Yeah. One thing I wrote in my um, blog review was that I, I... One reason I hate gay fiction so much, uh, gay novels, is that they are usually just excuses to write a few saucy sex scenes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and because of that, filler around it—the other 200 mm-hmm. pages—sucks. <laughs> um, in this case, there was no gay sex scene. Mm-hmm. There was some uh, longing and some fantasies and some kissing. Some kissing. So some, <laughs> some kissing. Um, but I, I think that the book is is better because of that. Um, so <laughs> if that's what you're looking for, don't pick up this <laughs> book. It's not going to be that. It's not going to have those scenes, but it's stronger because it mm-hmm. doesn't have them. I agree. And it's about the emotional experience of coming out and of being a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was really powerful throwing in, you know, some, not, not that I have any problem with erotica, <laughs> but I, I don't think that the two can mix easily. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I do not think it would have worked well here
0: either. <laughs> I read some of the reviews online for this, and one, uh, more than one review, pointed out that um, Tom's character, when we see him in the first part of the book, is very isolated. Mm -hmm. So his mom's gone; he's kind of uh, he lives on the wrong side of the tracks almost. His parent, his dad, is poor—not poor, poor, but working class—and he doesn't have any friends, really, any friends at all. And he's kind of overbooked. He's trying to finish school, but he's also working three jobs, and he's tutoring, and he's doing all this kind of stuff, and. As it goes through, he really doesn't have any friends until he um, joins the league and becomes friends with the people that he's paired with. Mm-hmm. And some reviewers felt that that was um, not really true to life, that that kids who are growing up aren't that isolated. And I didn't, like, I couldn't really speak to that because I had friends, even though I was not part of the popular crowd at school. I did have friends. It was never to the point where I had no friends. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the only reason he doesn't have friends is because of who his, his dad is. Yeah. So I'm not sure how realistic Well, it's that the is.
1: stigma attached yeah. to his dad, right? And he, he's on a team, so he has some... Yeah, that's true. He's
0: on a basketball you
1: team.
0: You know, cohorts. Cohorts,
1: <laughs> cohorts, friends. But even, I mean, I think it's also, he's got the double whammy of clearly being that guy who's gay that everyone, even if they can't put their finger on mm-hmm. it, they kind of know. Mm-hmm. And, and so that makes him kind of an outsider. But also his whole dad stigma thing and anytime, he says anytime his dad comes to his games he sits way back in the back yeah. so no one sees him And um, so I think that the, the complication is that he has both of those things working against him and he's just he doesn't and, he, and he's working so hard mm-hmm. I think there are people like that um, they aren't common but I think that a lot of the, the reason this book is so powerful is you can relate to his feelings mm-hmm. of um, being alone and, and isolation uh, at some level, even if like you or I or other people reading it were never that isolated, we've all experienced some sort of isolation, mm-hmm. and, and seeing it so um, so dramatically portrayed makes it nice to relate to. And and it also is interesting because I do think that. So when I first moved to San Francisco or the Bay Area, I knew my roommate and two people that lived in the area. So I really didn't I didn't know many people in San Francisco, but When I uh, kind of met this new group about a year into living here, suddenly I had like all these friends. And it was just kind of like when he joined the league. Mm -hmm. And it was an instant like add water group of friends, you know. (laughs) And so for me, I related to that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he finally found his niche where he could be accepted and and be himself. Mm -hmm. And and, um, I think that that happens for a lot of people. You know, when you get to high school, when you get to college, Mm -hmm. when you get Mm -hmm. out of college and find your new home, like you're constantly in those years having to find new groups of friends and reestablish your identity. And, um, so I kind of thought that was a nice bit. I'd like to see if the next story is about him in college and what Mm -hmm. it, you know, then, then we get into the Peter Parker kind of managing (laughs) school and, Super heroism.
0: Yeah, um, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about the female characters in the book yeah. um, because they're mostly really good. I, I, I really so. like them. Um, so there's uh, Ruth, who we talked about a little bit already. She was awesome. I liked her. There's his mom, mm-hmm. who we don't see very much of, but I, I thought her character when she no does pun come intended. back, yeah. <laughs> um, when 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 her voice comes back uh-huh. <laughs> and her cigarettes, um, I I thought. It, it was interesting, and, and that actually seemed pretty real, mm-hmm. and she wasn't written totally as a good character or totally as a bad character, um, and she is still somewhat mysterious, too, but I, I thought that worked pretty well. I didn't really like Warrior Woman. He could have done more with that character, and he just just ended up making her a bitch, mm-hmm. you know, like yelling at everyone and yelling at Tom and being yeah. very impatient and... Okay. In that way, um, very
1: opposite of what Diana or yeah. Wonder Woman was ever
0: Yeah. So, portrayed. whatever. That was fine. Um, there is one other major female character in the book, who's Scarlet, who's yeah. his teammate. And I really liked some things about her, and I really didn't like some other things about her. And um, so the things that I really liked is that her superpower is um, she can make flame. Mm-hmm. She's like Sunboy. Um And she can fly, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. That was interesting. Yeah, so I I guess there's something about, you know, heat that makes her fly. Mm -hmm. That was cool. I really liked it. Um, She comes from really the wrong side of the tracks. And is is really obnoxious, especially to Tom. And as the story goes on, we'll find out why. And and now I'll do some spoilers for this. But it turns out she has cancer. Mm Mm-hmm which is partly the result of the reason she has superpowers, because she was exposed to this radiation as mm-hmm. a, a young kid, and basically also has no friends or anything because she can't. She's constantly setting things on fire. Right. And you know the fact that she can make fire and she's using the name Scarlet and she has a hot temper, it all kind of goes together. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, and the, the way we find out about her cancer and how sensitive she is about it and that she really does think she's going to die soon... Um, Is all interesting. Now, the fact that um, she also has this little romance going with one of the other superheroes. It was a nice sidelight, too. And we didn't, it wasn't obvious to me that it was going to happen that way. Um, and in the end, because of Tom's superpowers, it looks like she's cured of her cancer, yeah. which I saw coming from about five miles yep. away. It's like, yep. oh, I can tell what's going to happen here. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't occur to Tom any earlier. But, 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 but at the very end, we are told maybe she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. Yeah. Why? Why did he have to make her pregnant? Maybe at the end, you right. know. People know what condoms are. Mm-hmm. People. Oh, it just—it was such a cliche. Where does he end? Um,
1: potentially Tom's, right? Or did no, I? No, no, Speedster. That?
0: It was Speedster. Is that true? I yes.
1: She didn't sleep with Tom.
0: No, she didn't okay. sleep with Tom. They got they got friendly and cozy, and that's okay. how he cured her of the cancer because right, he right, was right. holding her while she was very upset. Yeah. But it was Kid Speedster.
1: Well, but it's also because of Tom's healing her that she's able that she's able to have a kid. And I guess that that was Uh, the intention. Is my guess is to show that suddenly she's healed and has the ability to give life again instead of just like wreak havoc under fire. But I think you're right. Like, why why have to have her be pregnant as much as you know? Yeah, and
0: then and then it's like okay, so. Is she going to quit the league because she's going to have a baby or is she going to have an abortion or, you know, it's like, why did he have to give her that set of choices when none of the male characters would ever have that set of choices? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't she just be a superhero Mm -hmm. without that? You know, she wants to be a superhero. It's the most important thing to her in the world is doing that. And I cannot believe that somebody like her wouldn't have taken any precautions whatsoever or the kid's pizza wouldn't have taken any precautions, you know? Like, come on, we're in the 21st century. I
1: did find it amusing that Kid Speedster thought that Tom
0: yes. and
1: Scarlet were, like, that's Doing why it, she yeah. was pulling away from Speedster yeah. was because she was into Tom. Yeah. Uh, that was, it was good. hilarious. It was good. It was
0: good. And very realistic for yeah. kids of that age. Yeah, totally. You know, like, so jealous and, you know, so possessive like that. So, anyway, I really hope that she's not pregnant and that in the next book she doesn't turn out to have a kid and yeah. turns into a mommy and all that. Like, yeah. Please don't put that in my superhero story. And it'd be
1: nice if in the next book, you know, she has never have me colostomy bag anymore or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was
0: it. That was it. So um, the, the whole idea of, of the superheroes uh, turning bad and, and having to fight everybody, I think that's been done about a bazillion times in DC and Marvel. So yeah. it was a little... A little trite, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I I was surprised at how much destruction there was at the end. Yeah. That people were actually getting killed and stuff. Buildings
1: were blowing up. Yeah. Yeah, That was a little
0: scary. So... I don't know, major I major
1: heroes being destroyed. Yeah. Incinerated.
0: I, I cringe a little bit at that, you know. I mm-hmm. probably this is because of the comics that I grew up reading where people didn't really get killed unless yeah. they were bad guys. Yeah. But I, I it makes me uncomfortable to have so many innocent bystanders get killed. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that in the Marvel um movies they try not to do that and we had noticed that about the spider-man movies too that they people aren't just getting squished for Mm -hmm. no reason they try really hard to save them and there was a a little too much violence for me right at the end of this
1: yeah yeah i think that um it does make it a little more almost realistic yeah like uh, if it's over made into a movie that would that scene or that uh, aspect of that scene makes it I mean, if you've got superpowered people fighting, yeah, that, that's always who um, <clears throat> is it not Lex Luthor, but any any of the bad guys always take advantage of in the DC world, especially mm-hmm. of the good guys. Probably the Marvel world as well of the good guys' um, ne- necessity or um, of protecting the bystanders. Sure. So it gives them the it gives the bad guys the one up, yeah, you know, the yeah. leg up, and it, I think that. If, if ever the good guys were going to evenly match the bad guys, they'd have to not focus their attention on the bystanders. Yeah. And you would have bystanders dying. Yeah, and, definitely. And, um, you know, I think, I guess, they split up, right? And they're kind of... Some of them are trying to help yes. the bystanders, and some are fighting the, <coughs> the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But... It makes it very vivid, you're right. Um
0: Yeah. Well, it reminded me actually of a lot of the stuff that happens in Kingdom Come where mm-hmm. there's a lot of battles between the supervillains and the superheroes. There's a lot of collateral damage yep. and you know, people are getting killed Kansas right now. Yeah, it blows up, yeah. yeah. So so that I thought that was somewhat rep, reminiscent of, of that scenario.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Um I also wanted to say Perry Moore's a great writer.
1: Fan- he's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Really knows how to write Really good use of English, really mm-hmm. good scene setting, very vivid descriptions of things. Mm-hmm. And you just don't see that in many books these it's days. It's
1: true, especially not um, gay fiction but es- and, and even comic book fiction. Yeah. Although, uh, just a little heads up, we, we both saw the review or the announcement that The Last Days of Krypton mm-hmm. just went on sale and I bought it last night, so... Probably the next book we'll review. Yeah. Um, But it looks like that might also be particularly well-written, given some of the reviews. I hope so. So, yay for well-written comic novels. Novels,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, okay well that's great I'm, I'm glad we finally got to talk about this so yeah. we'll keep you posted um, Perry Moore has a great website that's called Perry Moore Stories mm-hmm. and if you want to find out more information about this book and other things that he's doing it's there he also has which I thought was great is a reader's guide to this right. which is meant to be used in schools and it's very interesting it's fantastic I spent some time going through it and it's a, a wonderful guide um, if you have kids or if you want to introduce this to a group of kids mm-hmm. to read the reading guide is really really helpful in them trying to think about some of the deeper issues and
1: I think that probably the reason why that reader's guide even exists is Perry Moore was the one who wrote the screenplay adaption of Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm-hmm. and is working on whatever, what's the next one, Prince Caspian? I think so, yeah. Um, so, of course, that caused some Christian <laughs> uproar, <laughs> because he, uh, you know, wrote this, he, he's an openly gay, uh, writer, and wrote this fairly Christian-esque story, um, but I, you know, I liked the books as a kid and thought that the movie, even though the Christian overtones were fairly heavy, um, was well adapted. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that he wrote that and also wrote this book makes a lot of sense. He's really a skilled writer. Absolutely. And, and cute.
0: Very, very much so. And funny, too. His interviews funny. are good. Yeah. He's very funny. Uh, great. Well, uh, I'm really, really glad we got to talk about that. So um, we'll... The next thing we're going to review together, just as a preview, is the Superman Doomsday thing, which you saw, but I still haven't seen it. Right. Yet, so maybe the next show. Okay.